0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere.
1: I'm Amina Tuso, And I'm Ann Friedman.
0: You know, we have a little ritual here of our first episode of the year being made up of voicemails from people who we love talking about the practices or the energy or the ideas that they are bringing with them that they maybe learned in the last year or that they they know they want to enact in the new year. And we have we have some incredible, incredible guests and voicemails today. Hi, Anne Friedman. Hello, Aminatuso. So coming to you live from my couch under a blanket in exclusively soft items. That's what I'm <laughs> that's where I am right now. Wow. Coming to you live from
1: under the blankets in bed. And I should be wearing soft things, but I'm wearing spandex and it is serving me very well right now. Do you feel held? <laughs> I feel really held. I was like, I need a hug today and I live alone. So this is the hug for today. You know what I'm saying?
0: I honestly feel like this is a distinction that applies more than any other to me getting dressed in the pandemic, which is, do I want a loose fitting soft pant or do I want to be held, <laughs> held by my stretchy pants? These are the two modes.
1: <laughs> and it's so funny that you say that because obviously my entire wardrobe now consists of like eight pair of sweatpants that rotate. But my number one criteria for sweats is how much holding do they do in the waist which I like like a held waist and I mm-hmm. also like them to like be cinched at the um, at the ankles. Like I love that kind of sweatpant where you're like okay great like there's like cinching here and here and then at the waist but then otherwise I want them to be billowing like my ideal sweatpants is like actually like those like like uh, like is a harem pants, that is a sweatpants. It's like a so gap year sweatpants? <laughs> 100%. But yeah, I. it's so funny how it, sweatpants just used to be sweats. And now I'm like, no, no, no. There is like different kinds of sweats.
0: Well, let me tell you, I developed a distinction, which I think a lot of people probably did, months ago which was like I was like you know there are some there's some loungewear that I'm in a reserve for actual lounging and then everything else I'm going to like work in or whatever like this is part of this is like a long running I work from home by myself way of like distinguishing like I am in work mode and I am not in work mode and so mm-hmm. there are a couple of items that I'm like no this is just for lounging these are my special relaxing only <laughs> cozies and I'm going to draw a line and um I I want to tell you today i have crossed that line i am wearing relaxing only cozies while we're here at work like all bets are off in uh, year two of this pandemic so i yeah. love
1: that like where everyone mentally landed in april is where you are finally at you're like okay like this thing is this thing is real i am no longer wearing my um my work sweats
0: you know i need structure to thrive <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, Anne, I love this about you. Uh, welcome, welcome to year two,
0: man. How's it going? Well, I feel like the physical description of where I'm at right now should just serve as the stand-in. Like, I'm just going to let that be, I'm going to describe <laughs> what is and, and let that just be my answer to how's it going. Like, how, how are you doing?
1: You know, honestly, in this moment, um, minus the fact that I have the small lisp, sorry to everyone <laughs> listening i i'm just dealing with some uh you know like oral surgery stuff so we're all gonna have to bear with me but minus this lisp i feel um weirdly this is going to sound demented knowing the state of the world i have never felt this good in a new year in like a decade i love to hear that I, which i mean it's demented it's like goes to show you how like in shambles my body was And so, yeah, it's, like, post-cancer, post, like, so many things. This is the first time, like, this week in January that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, uh," like, I'm alive. I feel good in my body. So it's a very strange feeling.
0: Mm. I love hearing that. That makes me feel better just to hear that you're feeling good in your body right now. And... That you are held by all that spandex and like ready, ready to be in January. I love to hear it.
1: Yeah, I like. Listen, I have. I've already done my physical for the year. I have gone to like all my doctors. I got my moles checked. I got my like everything because it's. I, I have to have it done as part of my like full. You know, like a, I'm still a cancer patient. Patient, so all of that is done. And I was like, Am I about to join the January tax club? Like, are my taxes about to be done in the middle of January? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I was like this is usually my entire to-do list for the year and I'm about to like have most of it done. So I am having a surreal experience right now. I was like this is this is bananas. What is happening in my life?
0: Oh. I love it. I um I'm also excited about, you know, we have a little ritual here of our first episode of the year being made up of voicemails from people who we Love talking about the practices or the energy or the ideas that they are bringing with them that they maybe learned in the last year or that they they know they want to enact in the new year. And we have we have some incredible incredible guests and voicemails today.
1: First up to tell us how to survive the next 365 days and how to stay sane is Jordan Bailey, um, producer of Call Your Girlfriend and all around. 10 out of 10, A++ human being. And Jordan is going to talk to us about reflecting on um, the previous year as a way to ground yourself in starting the new year.
2: This is Jordan Bailey, CYG producer, and I love New Year's. I have all kinds of rituals and habits that I do at the end of every year around New Year's. Um, I just like really love the time to reflect on the year behind you and like set goals for the year ahead. I think there's something just like really fresh and clean about January 1st of a new year. And it just like always inspires me to, to do a lot of reflection around that time. So I always start by reflecting on the year that's closing And I do this with um, a workbook that I downloaded a few years ago um, from Evian Whitney, who's a sensuality doula. Their name is Evian Whitney on Instagram, if you want to follow their work. But they created this workbook called Review, Reflect and Release. And it's designed to be done around the end of the year. And it's like 10 or more, honestly, it's like a, a pretty long, like PDF workbook, just sort of encouraging you to reflect on how the year went in all these different categories. Questions about your creativity and your creative practice, questions about your body and your relationship to your body, questions about relationships and friendships, questions about like sex and sexuality. There's a whole section for talking about things that didn't go well, challenges or mistakes that you made or things that didn't go as planned. And then there's also a really fun section of best ofs where you can put down like the best meal that you ate, the best show that you watched, the best book that you read, you know the best decision you made, I think is always a really good one to reflect on. It's just a really comprehensive guide to looking back on the year and kind of reflecting on it in a really holistic way. So I usually take like the last two weeks of the year and do like a little bit at a time and sort of reflect on things as they come to me. There's also a section in the workbook that guides you through doing a release ritual. So if there are things that kept coming up for you this year, like habits or old patterns or stories or things that kind of kept you making decisions that you didn't really want to make or you know things that repeatedly went wrong. She guides you through how to release those things. So, yeah, you know, I don't do the release ritual every year, but but some years when I feel like there are things I really want to release, I will I will do that thing. I'll write them down on a piece of paper, take them into the backyard and burn them. If you're a crystals person or a candle person, those are good things to have during release rituals. And I pretty much always listen to Solange when I do that. So the other thing I like to do is set goals for the year that's coming. And I really do think of goals as different from resolutions. For some reason, resolutions to me always feel like you know, something you want to change about yourself or a habit you want to break or something like that. But Goals feel more like they feel more like a, an opportunity to just like lay out how I want to grow and what areas I want to grow in and, and like kind of get specific about what I want the next year to look like. And so I will come up with a few a few different goals for different categories in my life. So I'll have like work and career goals. I'll have goals for friendship and family, like sex and relationship goals, day-to-day habits. And then there's fun stuff like travel goals, even though obviously in 2020 that didn't really pan out very well and I usually do this with friends I really like to do it with friends because I think like just the exercise of articulating out loud what goals we have for ourselves together can be like a really powerful bonding experience and I just love to hear how my friends want to grow and and what areas of their lives they're most looking forward to working on and growing in and doing it together has kept us like accountable to the goals in some ways like in years past we've checked in quarterly on on these goals and kind of like checked in and looked at how things were going for us and it's just like a good way to not forget the goals that you've set which i think can happen pretty regularly so that's another good reason to do it with friends but yeah, typically on the 31st of the year, we'll go through the goals and kind of mark how how we did with them. And then on the first of the year, we will plan goals for the year that's coming. Those are my New Year's rituals. Oh, also, I always have black eyed peas and collard greens on the first. I'm very superstitious about it. Uh, my grandma has made black eyed peas and collard greens on January 1st, you know, every year since I can remember And when I'm not home with my family, I always, like, find a way to get them. That's definitely a non-negotiable for me. So that's another very strong New Year's ritual for me.
0: We work with the best humans, truly. Truly, truly, truly only
1: the best humans. That was really great. And now I, like, I am usually allergic to New Year homework. I'm not going to lie to you. But that's because I don't believe in the Gregorian calendar, you know? I'm just like, eh, like... Mm. Today is just whatever day of the week it is. Um, it like the slate does not wipe clean, but I actually love the um, I love how like low key and like grounding she made this exercise feel, and now I'm excited to actually give it a try.
0: Me too. But then again, I love a January homework assignment, so I was primed. <laughs> I was primed to love this one, my Capricorn friend. Uh, you know, it's not my fault my birthday co- coincides with the calendar year. I'm just, I'm. It's all aligned. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Um, our next voice message is like honestly, a uh, a repeat classic guest of this new year episode. Um Sabrina Hersey Isa has been someone whose advice for like, how do you think about the next, you know, phase or the next couple months of your life? Um, I have really taken to heart in the past. I believe it was our twenty eighteen yearly kickoff episode where she talked about taking a personal inventory day every month where you reflect on um you know what has been going on for you in the past 30 days and also where you take care of tasks that you need to do for your own personal maintenance that like might otherwise just slide to the bottom of the to-do list and that is something that um that I certainly have like adopted um, and we will we can link to that episode from the archive in the show notes if you want to listen. And so anyway, she was at the top of our list for people who we wanted to hear from as we head into 2021. And uh, here is her voice memo, which is about coming home to yourself.
3: Hi, CYG, Sabrina here. The last time I was with you all to share about my personal inventory days, Uh, the operating system I created to help me get things done and thrive in the world. Now I'm here to help you design what it looks like to come home to yourself. So I work in technology, media, and politics. All of these roles meant that in before times, I was someone who was always in motion, on planes, trains, in meeting after meeting, swinging from monkey bar to monkey bar, from destination to destination. And you know what? I really liked it. I'm good at what I do. Uh, But there were huge gaps. I am someone who has always felt I could make my home anywhere in the world. I never really considered my community rooted in one physical place. And so I've had to develop deliberate, intentional practices of connection. But I realized looking back how this prioritized everyone else. How this pace of living was not really a life. How this pattern of go, go, go kept me unintentionally disconnected from myself. I am proud of what I've made happen in the world and for others, but I wanted more of me in my life. I wanted to be kinder to myself. I wanted more time for my interests. I wanted to feel more at peace and I didn't want to wait for a crisis to prioritize this. So about three years ago I took myself on a retreat just to get some space to get honest and to hold myself accountable to filling these gaps that I recognized. The outcomes of this was coming up with a set of personal operating values, um, very clear and explicit ways that guide how I want to show up in the world for myself. It's one thing to come up with a list of values, we see companies and organizations do this all the time, but it's another thing to make it personal and specific to you. It's also uh, next level to ask yourself, how do you know if you're actually living them? So I paired these with a set of personal operating actions, practices and habits that I can map directly back to my value system. So listener, these two things together, values and operating actions that are personal to me, they are my compass back home to myself. You don't need to get away to make your own. You just need to get honest. So to build my personal operating values, I asked myself a set of guiding questions. They included, what is freedom to you? What belief or mindset have you inherited that you wish to let go of? What belief or mindset do you wanna pass on as an ancestor? And what would you like to cultivate in your life that brings you joy? What would you wanna name your rap album if you had one? Um, To then build my operating actions, I asked myself a different set of questions. That included asking myself, what practices light you up? How would you like to be able to recognize living your values in the world? How would you like to be able to measure executing on an operating value? So, for me, one of my personal operating values is this I value my well being. Some personal operating actions that I can map and align to living this value, they include I sleep eight hours a night. I love to exercise. It's true, I do. And I fly first class. (laughs) Back when we were allowed to fly places. Now I'm not going anywhere. Um, This is not an exhaustive list, and it might even seem really silly to you, but it's how I gift myself peace. Um, The next step is recognizing you can't just create these and hold them close to your chest. You actually need to share them with someone who you care for and who cares for you too. Defining your values and defining these actions that go with them and sharing them, these are necessary steps that are part of a process that I call building pillars of support. Life will not always be kind to us letting your people know your values and actions means you will have help finding your way home again if your compass ever gets broken. About a year ago, a friend of mine did this for me. Um, She left me this voice memo that when I read it now, it reads like the most universal greeting card, especially with the world going through so much pain. Um, She said to me, these things are not supposed to happen. They shouldn't be happening and a lot has happened. Just because you're strong doesn't mean you need to minimize the hard. I'm glad you're accepting support. We all need people to help remind us who we are sometimes. This is the process. Define your personal value system. Define your personal operating actions that go with them. Put your stake in the ground. You can always move it if you need to or outgrow them and then share them with somebody. Do this and then live your life. Through quarantines and lockdowns with these pillars in place, I feel like I created clear paths back home to myself even though I didn't go anywhere. Everyone grapples with change and disruption, but our greatest challenges are often our greatest opportunities too. I know for me, I am leaning into living this shift. The golden rule works both ways. Be good to yourself, live your values, and you will be able to be good for others. So I use my compass. I'm back. I'm home. I am the happiest. And now it's time to do onto me. Have a wonderful year of thriving, CYG. You deserve it.
1: Wow. Love to hear advice from a boss lady, man.
0: The only kind of person I want to hear advice from, honestly, is, is is people like Sabrina who are really living it, you know, like not just like, you know, sitting in an armchair and giving advice, but like really thoughtfully invested in the way that they're showing up in this world.
1: And also, you know, like giving like real practical advice. I will say that there is an entire cottage industry of people who are you know, like it's kind of their job to be thoughtful and like very lofty, you know, like the thought leaders, sure. very like lofty, like ideas people. And it frustrates me endlessly. And Sabrina is a thought leader who is not a charlatan at all. So she like gives you practical, like, here is how you do the thing. One, two, three, ABC. And I love that so much. And I think it's why her previous advice on this podcast is iconic. And so many people come back to us like asking about that all the time because it is just like rooted in reality.
0: Uh. It's true. If you want more Sabrina, which why wouldn't you? You can find her at beingbrina.com. And that's also her handle across social media. She's an incredible writer. She founded this thing called the Bold Prize, which I encourage everyone to Google. She is like a tech genius. And um, yeah, I feel like if you loved hearing from her here, you're going to love like the full range of Sabrina's work in the world. Well,
1: let's take a break. Next, to tell us um, how to survive the next 365 days is my good friend Ann Friedman. Um, <laughs> Ann, what's your advice for the team? Oh
0: my God. I feel like I was just thrown the ball in the team building <laughs> <laughs> exercise. 100 <laughs> P. That's what happened. <laughs> okay. So rather than say something that I am like hoping to try to do, I'm going to talk about something that has improved my life for the better in the past, which is getting an accountability buddy for one specific thing that you want to do. And um, this is not like a new idea. This is not like a like copyright me TM idea. Like I think this is something that a lot of smart people have advised in the past. But I came out of our book writing process and was like, Oh, God, I have cleared the decks. Like, how do I figure out what I want to write next or do next? And decided that I really wanted to spend more time in, like, a daily writing practice. Like, rather than say, like, I'm going to go away and retreat and figure it all out. I was like, no, I really want to figure out a way to just, like, show up for an hour every day in service of this, like, question of what do I want to do as a writer next next? So dear friend, Glynis McNichol, who is also a great writer who has been on this podcast and I devised this plan where we committed to each setting aside an hour every day. We both do it in the morning, but like it wouldn't necessarily have to be that. And we text each other at the end of the hour. Here's the timestamps of when I started and when I ended. Here's how many words I produced. And sometimes it's zero. Sometimes it's just like I read a bunch of stuff that's related to what I'm doing. And then also just, like, ask for support or encouragement. At the beginning, we devised a um, a sort of punishment system if we didn't do it, which uh, was for... I for, know, <laughs> which is tailored to each of us. So it was like for, for Glynis, it would be that she would have to, like... Like sell off a clothing item, an impractical clothing item from her closet, (laughs) and if she did not do her hour a day, and for me this was like obviously months and months ago, I would have to donate five dollars to Kanye's presidential campaign if I did not do my five (laughs) my hour a day. Oh my god! Did you give that man a dollar? I did not. I am here to tell you that it was very motivating. (laughs) Very motivating. Wow! 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 So anyway, so we each kind of picked something that we thought might be like a a good punishment if we if we didn't do it. And but I have to say honestly, just the check in of like okay, like because because Glennis is ahead of me in the time zones, I would often wake up to a text from her saying I did it, and it was very motivating for me to be like okay, now I'm going to get up and do it too. So I don't know. I don't think it necessarily has to apply to a creative goal or a work goal, but. I also can tell you that I would have put in far fewer hours into that kind of nebulous writing practice if I didn't have someone who was standing there saying like, hi, I'm doing this too. And obviously this is a thing like, this is why people have running buddies. This is why people like do all kinds of things with community support. But I love it because it's free. I love it because you set the rules and you set the intervals and also it's like Glennis and I are definitely friends, but like this has kind of become a primary thing for us. And it was kind of special that I, I don't know if it would have worked with someone who I was maybe texting every day as a pal, like, you know, because we didn't know each other quite that well, it kind of worked perfectly. So anyway, that is the thing that I've learned that I'm like fully carrying with me into the new year. I'm going to keep doing it. I love it. And, um, just wanna just wanna share how I got it done and didn't make a single donation to uh, Kanye. <laughs>
1: I love this for you you know last year I read this book that was literally about how like creating ritual with a friend is a really good way to go deep in your friendship so I love that you're applying that Who wrote that book Um, (laughs) it's called big friendship it is available wherever you buy books Um, the authors are kind of insufferable but the book is like fine
0: I hear you I hear you some good messages in there yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that I
1: love that so much one of the things that I came into the new year being very adamant about is that I needed more accountability in my life, mm. and I like know this already, you know. And and I I think last year I made some good strides to uh to build an accountability, but I was like, this is a year where um yeah, it's like I'm getting the like a uh, the running buddy of like every area of my life that needs accountability. It's great. My thing that I want to take uh, <laughs> that I want to talk about is very it's a little abstract and loosey goosey, but it's also has been really helpful for me Has been to like make a criteria for yourself about which things you will automatically say yes to and which things you will automatically say no to.
0: Oh, the AmiNatu matrix. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, because I suffer from this problem of everything is kind of exciting to me and I always just like want to find out more and I would have never thought of myself as someone who was a people pleaser or someone who just like, who was like a yes person in my story of myself that I tell myself is that I actually say no all the time. And then last year I started cataloging like all of the things I said yes to. And I was like, actually I say yes too fast. I say Mm. yes too fast all the time. It's in work, it's in life, it's in a lot of things. And I was like, actually The thing that needs to happen for me is that instead of saying yes or no, I just need to say, can I think about it? Like that's the deep breath that I need to take Mm. and just say, can I think about it? And that has been like really kind of a game changer for me because it means (laughs) that it actually like forces me to sit down and think about it and um, for the last couple of years one of the things that i would always done is that anytime I said no to like a work event or like uh, you know like some sort of like nebulous professional engagement I, I kept it in a in a spreadsheet I have a spreadsheet of all of my no's because <laughs> I'm a Cause I'm just like, what are we saying no to here? And also it's a good way to go back, you know, and then, cause sometimes it's like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I didn't have time for that last year, but I, I kind of do have time for that this year. And then you go back to the person and you're like, uh, hi, like, do you still want to do this thing? And a lot of times the answer has been yes. So that's been exciting just to catalog it that way. But back to the decision matrix, I think that it's so important to have one. You're like, what are things that you want to do? And so it's like, is what is your criteria? Is your criteria like, it has to be fun. It has to be easy. It has to be something that's like aligned with my values or it has to be something, you know, it's like you get to decide your criteria. I will not tell you what my criteria is. And then similarly, you should have a criteria for like, what do you want to say no to, you know, and know how you feel in your body when you do things that you don't want to do. And I have found that like going back to that decision matrix over and over again. And mine is um, three things. And if it's two out of three, I'm like, eh, begrudgingly, like I might do it. If it's three out of three, then I will definitely do it. Or, you know, like corollarily, if it's the negatives, I will not do it. I find that it just like has saved me so much time and it saved me so much annoyance because whenever things go badly like that, I'm always annoyed at myself, not at the situation because I was like, if I had stuck to my criteria, this would have not happened. And we are in a whole pandemic there is no reason to add more aggravation to your life. Mm. I love that so much. Just like stick to your guns, stick to your guns and like say yes, say no, keep a list of the things that you say no to. And maybe you change your mind in the future, but yeah, like things don't go away forever. And also it's really important to listen to your gut, you know, because sometimes like things can seem like really good opportunities, but if you are not actually excited to do them or you don't think that they will be fruitful in the goals that you set out like oh are you trying to learn something are you whatever you will end up being miserable i am not trying to add more misery on top of the global misery that i'm experiencing right now so that is <laughs> that's my advice have some criteria and anytime anyone asks you for something whether it's personal or it is for work run the list in your head and say okay does this tick the boxes does it not and then you have a baseline for how you make decisions
0: Ah. Uh. I really, really love that also because I I feel in my bones the truth of, like, every time I've done something that has gone awry, like, this is true in my personal life as well as in like my professional life like i knew you know what i mean like there was like a like a voice within me or like an icky feeling where i was like this is probably not going to be the best but like okay and uh you know there are consequences to ignoring and not taking that pause and so
1: 100 percent especially with work like in life it manifests itself like in a different way but with work i can think of this like 10 different ways where you're like oh I said, yes, because someone said it was a good opportunity or because the money was exciting or Mm. whatever. And then you get there and you're like, no, actually, (laughs) I hate this. I hate this. And this is not how I want to spend my time. And the next thing you, you know, I'm like, there are there are a very finite amount of days in a human being's life. And let's really all try to minimize the days that you are doing things that you're not happy doing.
0: Totally. Like we, we do not get to do everything that we want to do in this life. And so on a micro level, that means we don't get to do everything we're going to do. We want to do this year or this week, like priorities, priorities. Yeah, it's totally fine. But yeah, I I just I think that if you are kind of like me, uh,
1: where you get frazzled and like scattered easily, or you get excited easily, take a deep breath and have a way that you're going to make a decision about something that doesn't just rely on like, is this exciting to my brain in this moment?
0: Oh my God, what if you kept all of that stuff aside and then checked in with your accountability buddy? (laughs) <laughs>
2: About like, whether you were
0: doing taking your beats or like whether you really wanted to do something, I don't know. I'm just like I love it. I, I love it so much because I, I also like how you were like, this is abstract or whatever. I'm like, no, this is a practical tool. like this is <laughs> this is very, very concrete. I'm sorry, sorry to uh, disagree with your with your assessment of the value of this advice.
1: Listen, it's so good. It's so, so so good one of my accountability buddies will be very excited to to hear that I'm finally taking my own advice to heart.
0: <laughs> That's the thing about this is like, yeah, like we, it's very easy to talk about how great all this stuff is, but I also want to note that you just mentioned it as a practice that you already have. And, and that makes you, um, you know, not bullshitting yourself or, or me or people who are listening.
1: That's right. Take that 2020 Aminatu coming for you <laughs>
0: uh should we listen to one more voicemail yes tell me uh, okay well friend of us as humans and of this podcast beth pickens is um one of my favorite thinkers for this kind of like planning and practice question she
4: has a lovely little voice memo for us about keeping a death journal Hello CYG, my name is Beth Pickens. I'm an arts consultant and writer in Los Angeles. I'm also a longtime fan of the entire CYG team. I wanna share with you a practice that I began this fall, which I am definitely bringing with me into 2021. And that practice is keeping a death journal. Every day I take a moment, often brief, sometimes longer, to reflect on my mortality and the fact that one day I will die. Now to some of my loved ones, my wife for example, the death journal seems macabre, way goth, and perhaps even superfluous during a pandemic when we're surrounded by death and dying. But the purpose of keeping a daily death journal is to remind me of my life. This daily contemplative practice helps me focus on being alive. Who do I want to be? What do I want to do? And surrounded by which people? A death journal keeps me honest about the unknowable but finite time I have to live. And this encourages gratitude and being very present. The death journal comes out of two important philosophical streams that are central to my life. One is the Jewish Musar tradition, which developed in 19th century Lithuania and is having a resurgence in American Judaism. The Musar tradition is based on Midot, which is just a soul trait, things like truth, compassion, generosity, humility. Every year at Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, my rabbi Susan Goldberg asks our congregation to select a soul trait that we will focus on individually for the entire Jewish year. We check in throughout the year with members of Nefesh, our LA Jewish community, and talk about how this soulful work is going. This year, I selected the Midah, the soul trait, called Yura. Now, Yira doesn't have a direct translation from Hebrew into English, but essentially it's the combination of two experiences, fear and awe. Musar practice would link Yira to the fearful awe or the awesome fear of God. I'm channeling Yira into the soulful contemplation of death. My death journal is also inspired by my relationship to the death-positive movement— This movement encourages death acceptance, and you can learn all about it through the Order of the Good Death, a large community of death industry workers, advocates, artists, writers, and researchers who know that America's culture of death denial harms our society. The Order of the Good Death is co-founded by feminist mortician Caitlin Doughty, and it's inspired by the work of anthropologist Ernest Becker in his book, The Denial of Death. Okay, I know that's a lot of names and movements to look up, but I strongly recommend you do. Maintaining a daily death journal keeps me connected to my life, to the present. And it actually makes me focus on being true to myself, actively loving people, and committing to justice. My death journal makes me want to live as much as I can. You know that this is like
1: 100% like my kind of content. Like I love death content all of the time. I love humans who are in tune to the fact that we are all going to turn into dust and bones. And I like, what a good way to start the year is to be like, I, um, you know, like might not finish out this year and it's like, let's do this. Let's, let's let's
0: fully accept that possibility. And let's do it.
1: I, it is. Yeah. Like only advanced humans are emotionally there. It's like, thank you. Like every day is a gift. Every day is a weird surprise. Um, let's like let that guide your every step. I'm into this.
0: If you want more from advanced human Beth Pickens, um, you can go to BethPickens.com. She is the author of the book Your Art Will Save Your Life, which is um, incredible, highly recommended. I think probably mentioned several of the things we've talked about in this episode. She is also the host of the podcast Mind Your Practice. And the Associated Homework Club, which is like speaking of like wanting accountability, a really structured way to get accountability with other artists and with a leader like Beth. So recommend all of those things. I'm in the Homework Club and I just
1: met my accountability pod and I am in love with them. Ah. So there you go. You can have built in accountability with people who do awesome work, who will have zero judgment and just want to see you win.
0: I am so into this. It's true. It's also just like, you know, if if that is not your speed and you you just want to do some reading about all this stuff, truly Beth's book, previous book and forthcoming book are the way to go. So, I mean, all of our guests in this episode, I just have to say only A-listers, only stars. Only
1: stars. Only stars. Thank you to Jordan. Thank you to Sabrina. And thank you to
0: Beth. See you on the internet all year long.
1: I will see you on the internet. I will see you (laughs) on the phone I will see you you know and I'm just gonna say this you are my informal accountability buddy for life so um, I will also see you in the accountability check
0: <laughs> I know I also I did have that thought about the death journal I'm like is my death journal just my texts and like record of conversation with you is that the real death journal like a uh, deep thoughts deep thoughts I mean listen let's talk about it online
1: offline um, <laughs> happy new year happy new year I'm excited to do this I have to say that I know that it's the year is off to like a very not great start, but you know what? We are all still here and uh, I am going to be excited about the new year. So let's like, let's hang on for dear life. Time to get out of bed and make lunch. I mean, I am not, (laughs) I am not excited enough to get out of bed, but I am excited. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm in here with my hot water bottle. Uh, uh, Mm. not going anywhere. (laughs) And here's my tiny practical winter tip for people who live in the cold areas. And I know this is going to sound stupid, but like just wear brighter colors. I fully turned into like Scandinavian color theorists. I mean, not too so, but I believe that if you wear bright colors, your sweats and your whatever are bright, like fluorescent colors. That will, like, give you one dose of serotonin for, like, the day. So try that. You know dressing in bright
0: colors is, like, my informal religion. So I am fully on board with that.
1: Coming at you from, like, the red spandex. I love you. (laughs) I will see you soon.
0: (laughs) See you on the internet. (laughs)
1: you can find us many places on the internet callyourgirlfriend.com apple podcast spotify stitcher we're on all your favorite platforms subscribe rate review you know the drill you can call us back you can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943 that's 714-681-cygf you can email us callyrgf at gmail.com our theme song is by robin original music composed by carolyn pennypacker riggs our logos are by Kanisha Need. We're on Instagram and Twitter at CallYRGF. Our producer is Jordan Bailey, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.